Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. We got a good one. Of course we do. You know, I, I, I watch Family Feud with Steve Harvey. And oh, he's, yeah? And, he, and every every Family Feud, he's like, we got a good one for you today. Yeah. So Just like us. Just like we us. We got a great one. Forget good. We got great. It's a great one. Yeah. Uh, so but the before, topic. To- but before that. Oh, oh topic. I want to tease a little bit here. So the topic. Jump into the topic a little. Customer feedback. What to do with it. Should you listen? Should oh. you care? Should you do exactly what they say? Should you do nothing that they say? Should you tease the customer and Ooh. entice them in? Or should you just give it away? And then say, this is going to be a great topic, but we're going to talk about our sponsors right now. Uh, our sponsors? A sponsor. Who, do we have a sponsor? TechWell's back. TechWell baby is back. Uh, TechWell conference. TechWell conference. Agile development, better software, DevOps. Yep. In, where at? Where at? Where is it at? Where? Vegas, baby. Oh, dear Lord. Let me do that again. Vegas. <laughs> and that is June 3rd through 8th. June and 3rd through 8th. That's a Sunday. So 4th, Monday. Monday and Tuesday are tutorials. Uh, Sunday, Monday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So it starts with training. There's training opportunities. Then Monday and Tuesday are tutorials. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday is the program proper. Uh, track talks. And then on Friday, Thursday evening, Friday, it goes into the Leadership Summit. Why do I know so much about it, Metacasters? Good question. Why do you, Bob? I am the program chair for, the, for the darn thing. I know. I'm selecting talkers uh, and topics. So, <laughs> Is this going to be the best conference ever? Uh, yes. 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 Not because of me, but because the wisdom of the crowd, yeah. uh, the program. I, yeah. No, we put together uh, – there's a small team that puts uh, the talks together and – I don't. I don't. Now I'm. Now I'm. Dis, I'm distancing myself. Don't. Don't back off. I lean in. Lean in. Okay. Own it. Own it? Yeah. Uh, yes. So we put together. It's. It's. We're very proud. The team and I are very proud of the program. We've got some great speakers, great tracks. Uh, we have some experiments, like some little mini panels and stuff. Ooh, I like yeah, this. Yeah, we're running some Changing experiments. Changing the game. It's so. I, it's all seriousness. The leadership summit rocks. I invited four people in. Josh, you did the Leadership Summit once. I did, yeah. You and Kevin. Yeah. Uh, from Dude. So we're doing another, have four uh, people from on the Leadership Summit leader, uh, talking. Really great content. I'm I'm very proud and very... All right. Good. So that all sounds fantastic. Yeah. Right. So, and But it costs money to get It does there. cost money. So... What can we... Can we do what, anything? We to, can to save... To entice people? We can save our listeners 10%. 10% off? 10%. Off 10%. The, all that money that you saved, take it to roulette. Or just drink it away. Or well, yeah. But if you yeah. gamble, they give you the drinks for free. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So you so can you tell that I double. don't. I don't gamble. Look yeah. at me for God's sakes. I, <laughs> so you can use promo code Cast eighteen to get ten percent off. Cast one eight numero one numero eight. Yeah, and you will get ten percent off your conference registration. And join me. Join me there. Come on out. Say hi to Bob. Say hi. Shake his hand. You could uh, smack me in the head if you don't like the content. No, not. But say, come on out. Uh, it it will be a it will be a great conference, and it's a great location. Yep, absolutely. I've been there. I've been to a couple. Spoke at a couple. Love it. Yep. So cool. And, and you know, so but can we get into the into the Medicare? Sure, yeah. Are we done? Do we have any more? No, we're good. So customer feedback. Get ready. Strap them on. It's going to be a wild ride.
Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Joshua David Anderson. And I'm Robert Lynn Galen. Lynn Galen? Lynn. I did not know that. L-Y-N-N. Wow. L-Y-N-N. Hated it. Hated yeah. it. Hated it for most of my youth, right? So, yes. Even like Lynn Swan didn't make it cool? Nope. Nope. No. 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 So, hello, Metacasters. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You now know our full official names. Our full official names. Took 130 episodes, but now you have the details. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to like, add, we're trying to be formal today, a little bit more formal. Really? And, well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe I'm lying. So, jo- yeah. so Josh. So, warning, warning, Metacasters, this may, and we've said this before, but I mean it sincerely now, this may be a bumpy ride, so put your seatbelts on, because it could be it could be rough. We uh, have had moments leading up to the starting of the podcast. That Josh and I have been breaking into hysterical laughter, uh, we're punchy, uh, sort of taking snipes at each other, so it may could be rocky, might not be. What's our topic, Josh? Customer feedback. Okay. <laughs> How do you get it? What do you do with it? Should what do you, you do with it? How do you should get you it? like treat it as gospel and whatever the customer says? Do oh, it. this is oh. Or do you like okay? Yeah, ignore get it, it. Sign it. Yeah, or ignore it completely. Like you guys, or something in between. Yeah, because there's the there's the Steve Jobs rule uh, of the world, right? Uh, like, I know when you don't. Yeah, exactly. Right. So there's that, and then there's the opposite end where listen intently to the customers and. Serve okay. their needs and everything along that path. So, so the, why don't we stop with the? Why don't okay. we start with the the Jobsonian oh. view? And I like that view where. And he, I don't know if he was obnoxious. Well, he was. Generally, I've heard he's pretty obnoxious. Yeah, guy. yeah, he is pretty obnoxious. But I don't know if he intended it. It's his. He couched it with more uh, being visionary, like anticipation. Right, I'm anticipating market needs. As opposed to, you know, I know and you don't. Uh, well, but, and Henry Ford said the same thing about yeah. the faster horse. You just right? you just quoted Henry Ford, for God's sakes? I wouldn't say I quoted, I paraphrased. <laughs> Have you been reading lately? <clears throat> no. No? No, no I'm just a very intelligent human. Yes, you, you, you <laughs> are. Were you a history major in school? My father was. And it, cre- and it seeped out. And, and something it, and happened. Something happened. Osmosis or something. Okay. It's just the diffusion of water. So why don't, why don't you connect the dots between Henry Ford and, and the Model T and Agile development practices for me? So, okay. I was just trying to provide a segue. <laughs> it might have been a long connect the dots. But, no, no, go, in all seriousness, um, what are some of the attributes of that, uh, or what are some of the strengths of that? Why don't we talk about strengths and weaknesses of the different approaches? So, yeah. So the so to me, one of the thing that is interesting is oftentimes when you're building a product, and especially when it's in a new market, the customers don't even recognize that there's a need that can be solved by technology. That's a couple of the industries I've been in over the past four or five years have been that sort of situation where you're selling a technical solution to a non-technical user and they never thought, hey, you know what? There's probably a piece of software out here that could solve the problem for me. They were attempting to solve it with everything they knew in front of them and with the tools they had at, at hand. But what our companies were able to do was to see that gap and understand that there's this this market out there that has this problem and they're solving it as, as best they can, but maybe they're doing it with just spreadsheets or maybe not even spreadsheets, maybe with like paper 
and pen and passing things around and trying right. to manage that. And our founders were able to recognize, wait a minute, so they have this problem. And there's a million people like them trying to do the same job. Let's give them a piece of technology that makes their lives better and lets them focus more on their job instead of trying to shuttle paper around. That visionary type view is, I think, where Henry Ford and Steve Jobs were thinking, you know, because if you go to the Henry Ford quote, I'm sure I'm not going to get it exactly right, but what he said was that if he asked the people what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. Right. Instead of, hey, build this thing that I never dreamt of to solve that same problem for me. So I can see what the dreamer on the dreamer side of things are breakthrough products that you can't ask or, mm-hmm. or it's less powerful for you to ask you, you want to anticipate. Um, the problem I have with it is the lack of customer engagement, right? Mm-hmm. So the negative side of it is sort of you're presumptuous. You're, 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 you're sort of presuming. So I get the value of breakthrough, mm-hmm. but, and, uh, but it's a, like me and my essence I, I wouldn't want like a thousand companies in, in the U.S. I wouldn't want all thousand of them to be chasing the silver, you know, sort of the silver ball of breakthrough products, mm-hmm. right? I think, I think that's the rare exception. But I don't think you can do that without really understanding the customer's problem. So you, the dialogue has to exist. Otherwise, but they, but how they, do you deliver a product that but, solves a problem they have? But the initial iPhone wasn't, it was, it was totally envisioned by, it was totally envisioned by, I remember him talking about it. I, in fact, I, I showed the video in one of my classes mm-hmm. of like, there's a, there's a video out there that shows uh, snippets of him doing keynotes for Apple for new product uh, announcements. Mm-hmm. And, and he, when he did the iPhone, the original iPhone, uh, he, what was it? He said something like browser, uh, what was the telephone browser, uh, Internet surfing device, telephone browser, or something like that, and he kept saying three things. Have you, did you ever see that video? Mm-hmm. And and whatever, God, it was it. It was browser, telephone, and some kind of you know arithmetic device or whatever. And he kept saying, and then you know he says we're doing three releases. We're do- releasing a telephone and a browser and an enhanced browser and a this and a communications device and a browser and a communication device and, and this. And then he said it faster and faster. Uh, and then it got to the point where it was one device, mm-hmm. right? It was sort of a cool thing. I don't think anyone at that time was envisioned. I mean, I don't know if they went out. Right, to, yeah. I don't know if they went out to customers. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, it was, it was a breakthrough, probably the same thing with Henry Ford. Right. It was a breakthrough. I, so, no, but to me, Henry Ford could look and see the problem. Right? Like he could look around and see, okay, there's people with horses and you have to stop and feed them and take care of them and do all that stuff. And sometimes they get sick. And how do you, I'm not, all I'm saying is I don't think everyone can do that. Mm-hmm. It's not even a Henry Ford is unique or jobs is unique. It's if in if in the United States we're all if all companies are looking for breakthroughs, mm-hmm. I don't know if they have like innovators inside themselves. I don't know if all of them sort of anticipate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the marketplace is like that. So I think there's a I think that's a unique class, mm-hmm. right? I think there's timing to it. That's what I you know. And and the problem is some people everyone wants to be like Henry Ford or everyone wants to be like Apple, so they have that view of let us create it. So I've seen startups. And they, they're, and they fail mm-hmm. because they didn't, into, you know, we want to be like Steve Jobs. So I, all I'm saying is there's the upside to that. Right. I think that's part of innovation. I think that's part of creativity. 
but I think the danger is like too many people wanting to try to do that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to neutralize creativity, but I, I think that's the rare thing where there are these rare na- niches where people need to opportunistically ignore the client, mm-hmm. ignore, don't ask, anticipate and deliver and then start engaging clients mm-hmm. like, like the iPhone one and then with iPhone two and iPhone three or whatever. Yeah. Then start talking to your clients. So I think the downside is sometimes people look at that as a shiny book, you know, the shiny object syndrome and everyone tries to do that. Yeah. Um, what are, so, so but I think that's how you make those sort of the leaps, right? It's the Henry Ford leap or the Steve job. The innovators are like that. Did you ever use, uh, what's the, uh, there's a project management tool called, uh, backpack. Have you ever heard of backpack? Mm-mm. You mean base camp or base camp? Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. That, but I don't know where, boy, you're more modern than I, I was, I at least had the B right. <laughs> at least I was in the ballpark. You were close. You had a couple I, letters I, correct. I got, I got a couple letters correct. Uh, and 37 signals. Yeah. I, I don't right, yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. I remember they, I don't know if they still do this, but they were notoriously not in a good way. They notoriously said, we're, we're, we're going, we determine what features will go into mm-hmm. base camp and we will deliver them. We're anticipating the market. And, I, and they had a lot of users. I still, I still think they, they have, but, it has a strong market. But I think they are unique and there are companies like that, that I'm okay with that because the builders are users. Yeah. Right? So like, I think GitHub will be successful because those creators are creating for themselves. Isn't that, that was an example of that yeah. as well, right? right. Okay. Now, I mean, during the evolutionary path, they probably start listening to people. Right. Uh, but, but I, th- I think Basecamp, and again, this was for years mm-hmm. because it, because when they were going out to the customers, they were getting all this competing information mm-hmm. and it was confusing. The other side of it is they wanted to be small, right? So I, I'd love to hear you weigh in on this. So when you listen to customers, I hope we're not rambling in the Metacast, mm-hmm. but when you open it up to lots of customers, you get lots of feedback. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's confusing because it's like, what the hell do we deliver? Yeah. Right. And, and the uh, 37 signals guys were always small. I'm, I'm sure they're still small. They're, it's one, I think they're probably less than a hundred people to mm-hmm. this day. So you can't, you can't go feature rich happy by trying to make everyone happy. Yeah. You, you have to be narrow in your view and any reactions to this. So that's another part of it is just trying to be lean and trying to be small. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of you have to be connected to the customer and the problem that they're having because so oftentimes we, assume things or don't fully understand the problem until you've had to live it and really living it and seeing it and, un- and understanding gives you that fuel. But also I am not a believer in what do whatever the customer says, because if you're successful, you're going to have a lot of customers and you're going to get that competing right. request. So I think that's where a really strong product organization comes in and it listens and then defines a path forward to tackle the things that will have the greatest effect for the most customers. And that's easy to say that's 10, 15 words that you could just throw out, but is right. a lot, a lot of work. And I think that's where companies become successful is they really understand how they fit in the market and they think about the market and not customers. Well, they think about both, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a product. I, when you were talking early on before you mentioned product, I was thinking product, mm-hmm. like product ownership, mm-hmm. product management, the value of product in sort of 
to me, they're searching for that directional awareness. Right. So you're part of their part of their compass point is customer feedback. Part of their compass point is like Jobsian vision mm-hmm. of where do we want to go. Part of it's probably revenue opportunity, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So, so looking at markets from a revenue perspective, but they get all these perspectives and how do they triangulate on a direction? Uh, and that's hard work, yeah. right? And it's, and it's exploratory because it, you don't know. So there's a notion of pivoting, right? Right. Where you experiment, you learn and you pivot. And, and I think that's actually part, that notion of experimentation, running experiments, gaining data. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the company in Raleigh? Pendo. Pendo yeah. is sort of in that space of get, you know, helping folks triangulate and, yeah. and then re- recalibrate and, and change their direction. Yeah, and, and to me, that's the revolution that's happened in the past half decade is the number of companies that are focused on providing tools to a product organization to get real time feedback of how customers are actually using the product. Instead of asking them, they tell you. Right. So you embed this instrumentation or tool or whatever it is, and you get real time feedback and you, you see and you can start to segment customers and follow their path through the product and understand features that are used and aren't used. And if they're not used, you can start to do experiments and, and understand why they aren't used. And maybe there's a messaging issue and you fix the messaging issue and now you see adoption of that feature. Or you retired entirely. Right. right. Exactly. So there, there's, there's dozens of great products. Pendo is one that is local to us that, um, really helps you figure out what's actually happening in real time with your customers and your product. And to me, that's, that's aspirationally where I want to go, where I, I basically have, Inform decisions based on hard facts and evidence. The other part of it is I remember years ago when I was at EMC, we instrumented. So EMC EMC is now Dell, I think. They were Mm -hmm. acquired by, I think, yeah, they were acquired by Dell. Um, So they were doing uh, disk servers, Mm -hmm. uh, storage, uh, network-attached storage. And uh, the group I was a part of was doing the administrative consoles for network-attached storage. So GUIs, uh, mm-hmm. uh, dashboards and things for the network-attached storage. We instrumented our, and this was pre-Agile. This was in the 90s, late 90s probably. We instrumented the GUIs to see usage statistics and then as part of our release. And what we, what we discovered is that uh, only like 40% of what we released was actually used. And mm-hmm. this was aggregated data, right, across all of the mm-hmm. customers. And our customers were like sysadmins and things like that, so DevOps people today. Um, and it gave us targets for – it 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 helped us not just to listen to customers, I mean, but indirectly. We were making poor decisions. Mm-hmm. We were making – so if it was 40% used, then 60% was waste, right? And so we were – we were now it wasn't stupid waste someone someone said do that feature mm-hmm. but we, so we would look at start learning like how did we make that mistake was it uh bad gas you know no one was fired but we were starting to understand how we made customer decisions mm-hmm. uh, and and then we would trim the waste we were actually trying to get it down to our goal was you know a high percentage of what we delivered was used mm-hmm. so we would reduce that so we would be able to build more stuff Right. Right. And avoid, avoid the waste. So that's, that's a part of it, I think, as well. You can go faster. So it's not just delivering. You don't go faster. You just, 
Well, the perception. You just build the right thing. You build the right thing. Yeah. But 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 inevitably, if you measure what was our speed a year yeah. ago, we're, we're I'm, I'm not arguing with you. Yeah. We're going faster from a delivered features perspective, from a used features perspective. So that's that's something that even back then we were really interested in. It was hard, and we were trying to get better about the decision making process. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, listening to cut, you know, like the squeaky wheel is what you listen the ceo someone calls the ceo and complains about something and that ends up being a bogey for on a on a feature list or something like that um and you or revenue you're totally driven by rev there's companies you probably haven't Mm -hmm. but you know it's and not that revenue but that's the total responses we need to do these features for a revenue perspective but what if that customer leaves us or what if that's the only customer that's going to use that or something like that uh, so I think we're getting wiser, these lean tendencies. I want to, I want to switch gears and, and talk about demos. So customer feedback, mm-hmm. like sprint demos, release demos and things like that. Have you seen, so that's another way to get, that's another way to get feedback. There's this instrumented feedback. There's product organization viability. What about demos? I, and I'm sort of, I'm still seeing sucky demos. Mm-hmm. So as I, as I, do my as I speak and as I train and stuff like that. Even within the last few weeks, you know, sometimes it gets into demos and customer feedback, and I, I, I paint a picture of what a what a customer what the stakeholders' responsibilities are in Agile, and people roll their eyes. It's like, well, we're not getting that mm-hmm. right. We're doing a demo and no one's coming. We're doing the demo for ourselves. Yeah, and stuff and stuff. Like, I mean, to this day, that's why to me, those instrumentation tools can replace that demo. Do you think so? So you you launch it and don't get an opinion, get facts on actual usage, right? So having having the nimble ability to release quickly and get feedback, real-time feedback from users in real time and then respond and adjust, to me, I think I think that that is the demo. So maybe that's that's the direction change. I, I mean, you're so. not anti-human demo. We can no. still do that, yeah. but you're pro-analytics. I am pro-larger numbers of people Giving voting sh- with their fingers clicking or typing or entering right. data or whatever, right. as opposed to that. Uh, now, your product team is going to have to do that. It's going to have to lead the charge, but it should be informed by that feedback from actual users. And to me, that's the fastest, easiest way well, to make speed, that happen. The speed of that is yeah. what is what. Sort because of you don't have to arrange people to travel in right. or do all this it's stuff. Compelling. It's, just, it's compelling. That's yeah. where like the pendo models and things like that. Right. Or even back to EMC, we. I mean, you don't have to get a tool for it. You can instrument your own apps yeah. and gather data if you want. Right. Uh, but it's that instrumentation. I was thinking back. I forget his name. I can't. My mind is terrible, but. Uh, there was a there was a local what was the local company um, but there was a guy that customer focus groups so in this area mm-hmm. um, there there was a company uh, there was an agile coach if you will he wasn't really agile he was a software he was just a a leader and he was doing some coaching but he rolled an agile methodology out to uh, a local company um, and I will remember their name but. Uh, he, he, this, the centerpiece of his methodology, and this was, pr- this was around the early days of Scrum and XP, was this thing of a customer focus group. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I've never, I observed at the time, but I've never really run them. And a customer focus group was at the end of an iteration, he would actually bring custom, he would run classic focus groups, yeah. which is you, uh, you have the product, you have product stations laid out. Uh, you observe, so you put, you bring real customers in, they, the real usage of the systems and people are observing it mm-hmm. and they're taking notes and things like that. So you're, it's not scripted. It's not a, it's not a demo. It's like not, it's not us demoing it to you as a customer. Mm -hmm. It's here's our new release. Here's what we changed. Go use it and see if it's better. And we will observe your feedback and you can give us formal feedback at the end of it. But we're also have going to have observational. And literally there was like a two way mirror or something like that where they would observe and they would bring, they would run them multiple times. And I always, and that was, that was how they closed an iteration Mm -hmm. was that sort of thing. And, uh, it was it was sort of an experiment at the time, but I mean, it worked really well for yeah. them in the early days of of getting. And the other, see, the thing that the um, the thing that the uh, the clicks don't get you is the ideation. Like I I like this, but mm-hmm. what if you did this, this, and this yeah. from a customer? Like the usage ideation, the customer ideation. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. You don't, you don't get, and the focus groups would get you that. Or you would notice another thing where Pendo won't detect it is if someone's frustrated. It, it might, but it might not, right? Where you can tell just by their body language. So a customer focus group, you can actually see that someone mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm getting frustrated. Right. Uh, and, uh, and then you could note that down and you could even explore like what was, what was frustrating you about it? What could we do to improve that? Was it, was it performance? Was it the performance dynamics, et cetera? So I guess my point is I'm trying to say it's not just instrument. So there's these agile demos for feedback. Mm-hmm. There's instrumentation. And I think we've lost the art of the customer focus group. Do you know what? I hope I'm making sense. Yeah. And maybe there's value in that sometimes. Yeah. I think there is. I think there's value in just shipping it and getting that feedback. But you're right. That's not the silver bullet. You know, when you think about lots of A-B testing tools and companies like LaunchDarkly where you can segment your customers and you have your beta testers that are pre predefined of, hey, they are always going to get the next feature and we'll give half of them this way and half of them this way and find out which one they like and then go yep. with the winner and all those things. But you're right. It doesn't, that human emotion, frustration, and that feedback. So you only get data feedback. You don't get that intelligent thought out response of here's how I do it differently. The, the emotional stuff, yeah. the ideation stuff. I mean, network promoter score, you can do NPRs as well. You can mm-hmm. get some sort of emotional, you can get an emotional connection off of that. I, I think there's a combination of these things. And and I don't, I think folks mostly miss mm-hmm. sort of the combination. So, so there's a combination of data collection, but there's also the decision making behind the scenes that you were talking about with product. Right. Right. It's, it's getting that customer engagement, uh, and then, and then decision making, like figuring out where do we, you know, where do we make the investments? Yeah. To me, I, I view in my world enabling the product team to have as many inputs as possible, but then they have the, near impossible job. It's like flying a plane, right? You look in a cockpit and there's a million dials and gauges and all those things. You don't know exactly what they all mean, but a good pilot knows which ones to look at at certain times 
which ones matter and your product person should be the same way of, okay, we're going to ignore this right now because I know it's not going to matter, but right. these are the ones that matter right now because right. we're in this phase where we just launched a product or we're having quality issues. So I'm not going to worry about new products. I got to worry about bugs and speed and performance. Right. Everything goes along with that, but just having them have as many inputs as possible and then weed through trying to turn that into intelligent decision-making. I think Agile's done something. I was talking, I forget who I was talking to. It might have been you, but, uh, I don't, it doesn't matter. But we were talking about the product owner ha- has been the worst thing that's happened to product management, mm-hmm. uh, because people have, they're not, em- so they're just hiring product owners, which are these team centric things. And a lot of organizations, and I see this pattern as well, p- pretty strongly, where the organizations, companies are not investing in product management. They're, they're not investing in product decision making. They're sort of short shrifting. Mm-hmm. They might get a license for Pendo, but they're not really, they're, they're sort of like 20 years ago, product organizations were pretty like product managers. It was a skill. Mm-hmm. It was a function. People, that's what they did. And it was clear. And now all of a sudden in agile, you blend it. Oh, it's a PO plus PM plus whatever. Just figure it out. We'll do a demo. You know, we'll put our finger in the air and we'll decide what to do. And so the science and the respect and the decision making of product management has sort of gone away. And I, I almost feel like the companies need to start reinvesting in product, reinventing and reinvesting in this and retrusting product management. To me, that's the, that's the thing that has happened is that whatever got us to this point is that no one trusts that role like they sure. should, or probably not even getting to trust, but empowers that role to do the job, right? Like I have left companies because I just said, you need to let product do product. Exactly. Just let them do their job. There was a peer I had where he's like, listen, my title says I'm the V the VP of product, but I'm just really the VP of sequencing. Like, right. I don't actually chart our path. I am given a path and I have to put them in order. And that's, but that's the vision for that role is yeah. you're the charter, you're the yeah. decision making, you're, you're the decider. I mean, it's true at a PO level. It's true at a product level. So that's the flip side of the customer. Once you're getting this feedback, it's like you need, you need the product organization. I guess that's what I'm trying to throw out there is the product owner organization needs to be trained, mm-hmm. needs to be hired properly, needs to be trusted properly. They need to be steering. Uh, and, and allowed to make mistakes. You know, we talk about failure at a sprint level, right? Right. Oh, we need to be failure friendly at a team sprint level. We need to be failure friendly, not fail, not looking for failure, but failure friendly or pivot friendly mm-hmm. at a product level. I mean, they're not going to be perfect predictors of the future, right? And a lot of organizations don't. Uh, and then stakeholders like C, C level folks are making all the decisions yeah. and they're making bad decisions. I mean, they're making worse, but they're not held accountable because they're because no one, yeah, no one in the company is yeah. going to hold them accountable to that, uh, etc. So, is that part of the ecosystem? I think the product side is part of the customer feedback ecosystem. Yeah, right? to me, it, it's it's having a team that that's their job, giving them all the information to make the decisions, and then letting them make the decisions and rolling with it. And you're going to have misses. But just like with the team, adjust and learn. Figure yeah. out, to your point with EMC, where you figured out our decision-making was wrong, but yeah. you gave yourself the ability to collect the information and understand why you were wrong and not make that mistake again. Well, and do do some root cause analysis yeah. on decision-making and get better. 
not fire or mm-hmm. chastise, but get get better. Or get rid of the role and say, I'm just going to decide because yeah. I'm the CXO yeah. or whatever. The other thing at, at uh, I contact, I remember, and, and I at the time, I thought this was fluff. I thought this was stupid stuff. I shouldn't say that because it, it says I'm stupid, but um, we, our UX team would do customer research. So mm-hmm. they would do pure uh, it wasn't even focused. It was individual customer research on features. They would expose new features, uh, new design ideas. They would explore new templates. Uh, I remember uh, it was part of our UX team. Uh, and it was, they would write reports. And I thought it was like, fl- like just freaking build the product. I thought mm-hmm. it was this fluffy thing. But now as I'm reflecting back, that's actually another really valuable part. It was almost like very personalized customer focus groups. Mm-hmm. And these folks were skilled at, at how they expose things, uh, features, and they were skilled at taking notes and collecting data. And they would do it across the spectrum. But uh, part, of the, part of the thing where I thought it was fluffy is it would take a while. Mm-hmm. It, it was time-consuming. So it wasn't sprintable. It, was, it, was, it crossed sprint boundaries. Uh, and and they didn't and they did it sort of continuously, but it was so we were getting data from a from a sprint perspective. We were getting data from a release perspective, but there was also this sort of UX look ahead, right? And I think that was it was actually very valuable. They came out with very valuable data. I don't know if we took action with it as much as we should have and mm-hmm. listened to it. Part of it was the product team, yeah. which they reported into product. So it was sort of weird that the product team really didn't use that data they, a, a little bit, but they didn't use it. They didn't trust it as much. Uh, but I think that's something like UX mm-hmm. and customer research and customer study and usage study uh, can be very powerful. The other thing they did uh, was paper. Do you ever do any paper prototyping? Mm-hmm. Ever see real quick? Uh, I've got a stack of papers right here. Do you? Yeah. From, from a paper, are you joking? Or? No, I'm serious. Yeah, from yeah. a paper prototyping perspective. So, so that, again, I think I'm tipping the hat to UX in general that part of this customer feedback. So it's product. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a triumvirate here or something where it's a trilogy, a triad of, of customer. And, and team, no, maybe, maybe there's a quad and product and UX in all seriousness. Do you know what I'm saying? Of really sort of getting narrowing in on that feedback. Yeah. I, I, I lump UX into that's part of the product research, you know, the product team and coming out with the recommendations and, but it's a pretty the, rich, but yeah. if you look at the two, they're not the same. Right. I, mean, I, I, again, my eye contact reference was they were lumped together there. Yeah. But I think for part this metacast, we ought to tease them apart and say there's product empowerment and product management, and then there's sort of all of the UX disciplines, mm-hmm. right? Now they complement each other, but really give them their due. Have you seen UX done well, like really well integrated? And I, con- I, I always say that for the metacast, but in I contact, it was done well. Mm-hmm. It wasn't done perfectly. Uh, in fact, originally they reported to me. And I had to divest because I wasn't handling it well. So we integrated them with the scrum teams too too much and mm-hmm. too early, and and we stopped doing that. We divested them to product. So we assigned the UX team to product, and I think we got more value out yeah. of it. And then it, then it felt and then it filtered their feedback filtered into backlogs and things like that, and that that made more sense. Uh, and it was UX, and it was multifaceted UX. So there was design, so there was front end design aspects and usage design. 
Uh, but there was also, like I was saying, the research side of things. Mm-hmm. So we had a UX team. We went sort of UX happy there. We, it, Relative to a lot of companies mm-hmm. that I encounter, we probably had a UX team of like 10 people. Well. Uh, and they, they were the profiles, like managing that team. One of the reasons I divested is that there was such an eclectic profile. So there were some design, like front end user interface designers, mm-hmm. and that was more technical. So I could lead them. But then there were sort of like what, uh, workflow mm-hmm. folks, and right. then there were like customer research, and then there was, uh, like cultural. I think we had like a cultural anthropologist on the team to talk about cultural, to view cultural implications, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, it's true. It's, it was, it was this really eclectic team, and everything there was under the banner of UX, mm-hmm. but, uh, very, and it, and it, it all, you know, they all work together, and I think it created better products. Um, that's something maybe we ought to explore. Maybe in a future Metacast, we could invite someone. That's an area of specialty mm-hmm. that I need to do some learning on, and maybe maybe we try to reach out to someone in the future and invite right. them to talk about it. Well, if there's anybody listening that has a UX expert that they think would be able to Come on in this podcast, get a few words in. And talk about what works. Talk about what works, what doesn't work, what their experiments were, how they... Did you just put a shot across my bow? Is that what that was? What? What? I'm I'm just trying to solicit support from our listeners. To get a word in edgewise. Right, to have them them, uh, help us identify a future guest that would help solve this problem for many of our listeners. Since I know so little about it, I would... Probably shut up more if that's your point. So, so do you think? All right, every listener out there, if you think Bob would actually be quiet during a podcast, raise your hand. uh, Okay, thank you. You can all put your hands down. That was that hurt. That was hurtful, Josh. (laughs) That was very hurtful. And I saw those hands. Thanks, Medicus. I appreciate that. I appreciate the support. Do you think we talked? You proposed this topic. Yeah. And I initially like was a little I think do you think we I think we around? did a good job of setting the stage I think there's another level that we could go to um for me the takeaway is you can't be on opposite ends of the spectrum you you should not read the Steve Jobs Henry Ford quotes and say I'm not going to listen to my customers unless you've got this revolutionary Correct. thing and those are few and far between so assume you're not one of those <laughs> but don't be driven by your customers right. as well and then don't be driven by the customers so understand how those two influences should drive you to make the right decisions and there's tools that are more readily available now to help you understand what customers are doing instead of what they think you should do right so you can use their actions as an information vector as well to navigate that right so there's there's opportunities i think it might make sense at some point in the future to dig down a level deeper and maybe get a real great product management person in and have them talk through that's sort of what i was thinking i was thinking of like and we know we could invite someone from pendo Mm -hmm. i'm thinking of a little I don't. I might even be able to get Todd himself. Yeah. So we could do like a Pendo thing, and then maybe a product manager uh, thing. I know. I know a good one who would talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could invite, and then someone on the UX side of things. And I, I really think that would be a nice deep dive on this topic mm-hmm. uh, to provide more information. What do you? Th- and even like a product owner. Yeah. So, uh, metacasters, give us feedback. Where I'm, I, I'm, I like this idea. Plus, we haven't talked as we haven't done mm-hmm. these topics. 
which intrigues me as well. So it's like value add topics, I think, in a different area. So different yep. listener value. All right, cool. Give us feedback, Metacasters. So stick a fork in it, mm-hmm. Josh. All right. So from beautiful downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.